Welcome to the NBA podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I am your host, Munaf Manji, back in the saddle and joining me, two expert NBA handicappers. First up, I got my guy, Sleepy Jay, here with us. Sleepy, how you doing, my man? Yo, did you go to the wedding with your wife or no? Uh, since it was, the wedding was from her side of the families, yes, I, I was there with her. All right, you missed out then. <laughs> Also joining us, the NBA guru himself, it's Mackenzie Rivers. Mackenzie, how you doing, my man? What's up, man? Did I cash the plus 500? I know, I mean, everything's going to be on the table at a wedding. So did I cash the plus 500? We both know what I'm talking about. Unfortunately, you didn't. <sighs> um, nah, not this time around. But hey, there's still plenty of weddings coming up, at least uh, from my side of the family uh, <laughs> coming up. So we'll have to, uh, we'll, we'll run it back again and, and see what we can come up with. But uh like I think on a on a higher note, with me not cashing at the wedding, we did pretty good last week. Uh, Friday uh, was a great day for the pod, but you guys took it to a whole nother level on Saturday without me. Uh, Sleepy, how did Saturday turn out for you and Mac? Well, if you took all our selections, you ended up either four or five and zero, oh, depending on uh, if you went ahead and, and bet our one lean that we had there with the Pelicans. But you know, we had the Pistons, we had the Pelicans, we had Jordan pull over. Uh, I think, Mac, you had a couple picks there, too, that you gave out some sides. I think we had the Raptors and another pick in there. But, yeah, it was an undefeated week there for us uh, with our player props and then uh, a really good Saturday showing. So hopefully we can go and keep that momentum rolling. I think we can. I like our card that we have set up for today and all the picks we have. So ready to kick some butt. Yeah, 8-1 and one combined from the uh, Friday pod and the sar- Saturday pod. Uh, between the three of us hopefully we could keep that momentum going uh into the friday games uh for the nba which will be the first of the play-in tournament games we'll get into that a little later in the episode but um just kind of give you the overview for this episode we'll talk about some nba news of course we'll get into uh some previewing some games that are happening on friday of course our best bets as well and we'll of course give our friday five and we'll look to continue our winning streak on our player prop best bet for this episode. Uh, Gentlemen, some big news that did transpire earlier this week in the NBA, the official trade of James Harden uh, headed over to the LA Clippers and the trade details for James Harden headed to the Clippers is going to be Harden, PJ Tucker, and Philippe Petrusuv is headed to the Clippers and the Sixers in return received Robert Covington making his way back to the Philadelphia 76ers, KJ Martin, Nicholas Batum, a 2028 unprotected first round pick, two second round picks, a 2029 pick swap, and an additional first round pick from OKC. The Sixers receive in that package for James Harden and PJ Tucker, like I mentioned. Mac, let me toss this to you. The trade that I think we had talked about this last week as well, but it finally goes down. Uh, both teams, or at least we could say the James Harden can turn another page in his NBA career. The Philadelphia 76ers can move on from that saga between him and Daryl Morey. But what was your reaction when you heard about this trade finally going down with James Harden headed to the LA Clippers? My reaction was regrettably very similar to a lot of people's reactions. So much so that after hearing the second and third and fourth uh, talking head pretty much give what I said, which is, is hard to work from a basketball perspective. I'm starting to think that that particular opinion is overplayed 
because it didn't work from a basketball perspective when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden got together. And I know what a lot of people are thinking. They never won anything. Biggest disappointment ever. Uh, when they were on the court, which was rare, uh, they were the best offense ever. They were scoring 130 points per, per 100 possessions. They were going to win the championship. They were much, much better than the 2021 Bucks, who ended up winning the championship. But Giannis was not going to be called for fouls in game four. He got away with about four of them in the second half. The fourth one was stepping on Kyrie Irving's ankle. And uh, instead of Giannis being on the bench and the Nets cruising to a 3-1 lead and on to win a championship, the NBA got involved. And Giannis won his first NBA championship. And the rest is history. James Harden's a pariah. We don't like him. He dribbles too much. I think it's just all overstated. I think he's he was a really good basketball player last year. I think defensively, he's going to be a liability. And what he brings from the offensive table more than makes up for it. He's a top 25 player. I think it can work from this perspective. If they consider Kawhi Leonard and Paul George as the linchpins of their offense and their defense, uh, versatile players that can be the two, three, four uh, in any situation, and you're fine. And then they think of their defensive counterparts like Zubac and uh, Terrence Mann, and they have them as part of the equation. And then it comes down to this. Do they play Harden and Westbrook because you have to play two of the top 75 players ever, two Hall of Famers, two guys uh, that are kings of L.A.? People love them in Clippers Town. Do you play them 35 minutes a game? And if so, I think it's going to look a little bit like the 2008 Barcelona team that we're all familiar with here on the NBA pod, where they had Ronaldinho, they had Messi, they had Samuel Eto'o, and they brought in the most famous player in England, Terry Henry, and they had four of the best forwards in the world except no team in history in soccer has ever played four forwards and had any success. So they kind of muddled around and they didn't do anything. And then Ronaldinho left the next year. They had a three man team with Messi, Eto and Henri, and they dominated teams because everyone was in the position that they needed to be in. So if they choose the 2008 route and Westbrook and Harden are both starting, I think it could go in a bad direction. But if they say we have one point guard in two bodies, and if we need a little more aggression, a little more physicality, a little more pace, we'll, we'll put in Westbrook for more of the game, and he can be the linchpin between Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Or if it's more tactical, if it needs a little more nuance, more shooting, we bring James Harden in. I think if they have that mentality, it could work really well because they are more talented than teams are giving credit for, um, than people are giving credit for. They were leading the league in net rating until they had a back-to-back in L.A., and they ended up losing in overtime to the Lakers. I'm not sure where they stack up at this exact moment. But they've been playing really well, and I think James Harden can help them if they play him the right way. I think the fact that no one likes James Harden in the media is kind of souring people on the actual, you know, logical, cold analysis of the, of the fact that it's going to help them. It's going to hurt the Sixers and help and help the Clippers. Everyone's saying the opposite because we don't like James Harden right now, but I think it's a little overstated. I think what you mentioned about James Harden last season is a great point of how well he was playing with the Sixers. and. When he is healthy, we've seen the type of player that he can be. Obviously, he's not the same guy that he was when he was with the Rockets, but I mean, we saw it, like you mentioned, when the Brooklyn Nets, when him, Kyrie, and KD were all on the floor, they won basketball games. Last season, He, I believe he led the league in assists per game, or at least was top three uh, with the Philadelphia 76, and now he comes over to the Clippers. And I think now, for Ty Lue, he has a lot of things to figure out, like you mentioned, because I think you're spot on when you mention that, hey, where does James Harden, where does Russell Westbrook fit in, at least at the point guard position? Are you going to bring Russell Westbrook off of the bench with that second unit? Is he going to be starting with James Harden? Those are the type of uh, 
I think answers we're going to be looking for uh, from Ty Lu and this offense. Sleepy, what was your reaction to this trade when you uh, heard about James Harden in the I guess late night uh, when Vooch did uh, drop this bomb? Well, being from the Philadelphia area and kind of supporting the 76ers, I was happy to see Harden go. I think he's nothing but a cancer on the floor, in the locker room, you know, in the offseason, no matter where he's at. Is he really any better than Russell Westbrook? Right now, I'd say no. I'd rather Westbrook, who I know is going to go out there and give me, you know, he's going to give me his heart and energy every night on the floor. And I think Westbrook, he's also had enough time to grow with this Clippers team into his new role. I don't think Harden has grown into his role, and you have to wonder what kind of role he's going to take here. Kind of with McKenzie here with one of the thoughts that he had, if you need a scorer, then just bring Harden off the bench. And I'm not sure he's going to go ahead and embrace that role because I think it's starting to work now with Westbrook, Kawhi, PG in the starting lineup. If you need scoring and you need a distributor, just bring Harden off the bench. I think this is what I, this is the approach I'm going to take. If I see Harden in the starting lineup, I don't want any part of the Clippers if, when it comes to having a title ticket in my pocket because that means he's just getting his way again. Uh, eventually, I think Karma will go ahead and backfire here on Harden. If Harden comes off the bench, I'll probably have some decent prop bets that I plan on making here in, in the future. But I think that's the way that they have to go in order to succeed. Uh, otherwise, I think this could turn into another disaster around James Harden. So consensus odds right now for the Clippers are they are tied uh, with the Lakers 12 to 1 on consensus odds right now. Right now, if we talk, look at the top five teams as far as consensus odds, the Celtics, the Bucks, followed by the reigning defending champions, the Denver Nuggets, the Phoenix Suns, and then the Golden State Warriors. Um, Mag, any other thoughts for this Clippers team going forward with now with James Harden officially there uh, as a Clipper? I was bullish on this team before the James Harden trade, and now maybe just as a knee-jerk reaction uh, from every single media pundit like Richard Sherman. What do you know about basketball? But you know it doesn't work from a basketball perspective. This is all the same things we heard about Harden going to Brooklyn, and he did fit in. Maybe not off the court where he was mad at Kyrie and his sage seances and he had enough of it pretty quickly. But on the court, he figures it out. He's a really smart basketball player and I think he'll be he'll be beneficial offensively. Defensively would be a problem. I think they're right there with with teams like the Nuggets. I, I mean, not top end potential. I mean, no, no, top end potential wise, not maybe maybe not right now. If they played a game, I don't think the Clippers would be favored. But in a seven game series, you tell me all these guys are healthy. Uh, you tell me their heads are on straight. Uh, it's gonna be a, it'd be a tough out. Yeah, I agree. I think that again, like we mentioned, they will, I think we'll see some growing pains uh, with the Clippers. And again, like I mentioned, Ty Lue have to figure out rotations and how things work. Um, now, with you having a healthy Paul George, you having a healthy Kawhi Leonard, you having a healthy uh, Russell Westbrook, and now you add James Harden to the fold. Uh, we'll see what transpires for this uh, Clippers team. His debut will come Monday uh, for James Harden for this LA Clippers team. Gentlemen, the new, um, I guess we say the new, how should we call this? The new um, wrinkle, I guess we can say, for the NBA season is going to be the play-in tournament, and which starts group stage here on Friday. So the if you haven't already heard about the play-in tournament, I would uh, recommend reading the rules and looking at how it's going to work out for the play-in tournament. But November is the official month where group stage and group play starts. It's going to be on Tuesdays and Fridays. And the first group stage matches start on Friday here. And a couple intriguing matchups here 
uh, on the schedule for Friday here. We'll talk about a couple games here. Let's start with the first one here. I think probably the most intriguing matchup in this uh, group stage kicking off on Friday. The Dallas Mavericks, they are going to be visiting the reigning defending champions at Denver Nuggets, led by Luka Dantich, who's having an incredible season. And also the Denver Nuggets looking like they picked up right where they left off. Currently, this line is in favor of the Denver Nuggets at minus six and a half. Uh, Sleepy, let me uh, start with your thoughts on this game as the Denver Nuggets a six and a half point favorite hosting the Dallas Mavericks. I'm looking forward to watching this one. As far as betting this, I probably will have to end up being on the sideline until probably later on, maybe even closer to tip off. You have a lot of key players that are currently maybe possibly taking a taking a break. Jamal Murray, Jokic, Kyrie Irving. Those guys are all listed as game time decisions. So, you know, going ahead and plop my money down right now with with a lot of uncertainty is something that I'm not willing to do. But as far as watching this game, I think it's going to be interesting. I hope Kyrie comes back because I'd like to see Kyrie and Luka, you know, go up against the champions. If all teams are, are healthy and everything is is the way that it is, I would probably go ahead and play Denver to go ahead and uh, rebound off their first loss of the season. At some point, I felt like Denver, like they were rolling along their first four games. And I thought, all right, they didn't lose game one. There's a good chance they'll come down game two. Eventually, they're going to go ahead and come down. And I think off of a loss they probably come back up now and make things right. So it would be Denver for me if everybody's healthy. That's kind of where I would be at with that one. Yeah, currently for the Denver Nuggets on the official uh, injury report right now, Christian Braun probable. Um, Like you mentioned, the Joker is also probable. He has some lower back pain. And also Jamal Murray is listed as probable officially on the injury report. He is dealing with a right quadriceps uh, contusion. Uh, Mac, Luca, and hopefully the Joker plays in this game. Um, two of the favorites right now, consensus MVP um, odds on favorites right now for this season. What are you thinking about this game as the Denver Nuggets are a six and a half point favorite? I think this will tell us a lot about the Dallas Mavericks because they've are undefeated. Uh, they really haven't played anybody, and you will be baptized pretty quickly if your defense isn't up to snuff in Denver. Um, Denver just lost their first game of the season. I don't give it much credit it's NBA it's a long year uh, teams that are four and0 straight up like these Mavericks like the nuggets in their last game uh, only cover 38 percent of the time or I guess a little less now after the nuggets fell into this trend so um, I'll be interested if the Mavericks are able to step up but I don't think they will be able to at this point juncture I think Kyrie Irving obviously doesn't help them defensively but if he is able to get back offensively maybe they can keep pace but I think the nuggets win here i think they win comfortably i would definitely lean towards the six and a half yeah i'm there with you with the denver nuggets team i think you know sleepy mentioned that this should be a nice bounce back spot after taking their first loss of the regular season against the minnesota uh timberwolves but i mean prior to that loss i mean they like i mentioned they were looking like a team that picked up right where they left off after winning the championship last year and i think i still have a lot of defense or questions on the defensive side for the dallas mavericks thus far this season the Dallas Mavericks defensive rating uh, through the first game. They are right under league average at uh, number 19 with a rating of 111.5. Offense, we know when you have Luka and when you do have Kyrie, they are the second best offensive rated team right behind the Boston Celtics. So I think defensively, I, I think that you know Coach, uh, Coach Malone there will be able to make the adjustment to at least give some type of fits to Luka and uh, Kyrie Irving if he does play in this game. 
Another game that we wanted to talk about here, gentlemen, um, the Milwaukee Bucks, they are going to be hosting the New York Knicks. The Bucks also sitting as a six and a half point favorite in this game with a total of 228. Uh, we saw in their last game for the Milwaukee Bucks, who also took a loss against the Toronto Raptors, where they gave up 130 points to that Toronto Raptors team. And I think this season, gentlemen, that the biggest difference from the past couple of years of this Milwaukee Bucks team and what has transpired, at least early on, is how bad they have been on the defensive side of the uh, basketball. Currently, we talked about how good uh, we can mention the Denver defense is. But with the Milwaukee Bucks, they are the second worst um, defensive rated team. The only worst team is the Indiana Pacers. They're sandwiched in between the the Washington Wizards and the uh, Indiana Pacers there. Mac, let me start with you on this game. Um, is this a bounce back spot here for the Milwaukee Bucks after what transpires against Toronto? Or do you think the New York Knicks can keep this close and possibly upset the Milwaukee Bucks? I think the Bucks are in trouble. I think the Knicks are the perfect kind of team that isn't great in any particular area offensively, but just keeps coming, coming in waves, will take advantage of any mistakes. And you mentioned it. Uh, it's stark, the difference. This is a Bucks team that had not one, but two Defensive Player of the Year candidates in Brooke Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And now they went from the fourth best defense last year, Drew Holiday, one of my favorite players. I think the best defensive guard in the league, or at least of his generation, if not currently at this moment. Well, he's gone. And then go from number four to number 29. Only the Washington Wizards, who we'll be talking about later, are worse on defense. And I don't think that goes away overnight. I think Holiday's part of it. I also just think a new coach uh, bringing in Dame Lillard, who's obviously bad defensively. And I don't think he's the cause to make a team go from the fourth to the 29th. But I think bringing him in that angst and that indecision about how to fit him in has made them slip on that side of the court. Um so I think it's very correlated. If the Bucks win, I think they win with an over. And I think if the Knicks win, they're going to grind them down and uh, take advantage of those mistakes and end up probably pulling it away in the fourth quarter. Uh, we talked about this on Saturday. There's been one quarter every game where the Bucks just get blown out. And that happened again against the Raptors. They got blown out in the first and the second quarter. Um, so if they get a big lead, uh, I would look to maybe hedge back, push, push, uh, push some chips in the middle. On Knicks plus 12 and a half, 15 and a half, whatever it gets up to. And uh, it could also go the other way where they never have a big lead and they get blown out early. But I think the Bucks will be exposed uh, at some point in this game of just not being completely buttoned up. The two losses that the Bucks have suffered, they've given up 127, which was against the Atlanta Hawks. And then, like I mentioned, their last game against the Toronto Raptors, where they did give up 130 points. So things to figure out uh, for this Milwaukee Bucks team on the defensive side of the basketball. Sleepy, what are your thoughts on this game as the Bucks are hosting the Knicks as a six and a half point favorite? I'm with Mac. I would go ahead and I would play the Knicks here. One of the things that I think that we have to take into consideration with this Milwaukee Bucks team first is that price-wise, you're not going to get a break with this team. You're going to end up getting taxed quite a bit. But I think the other thing with this Milwaukee Bucks team is that they're trying to find their identity right now of who they want to be and, and how they're going to do it. And you talked about, you know, new head coaches and players uh, going off of this roster. Their depth has been hit a little bit. And when Damian Lillard comes into your team, you have to make changes. You have to go ahead and kind of cater to his needs and what his game needs in order for him to go ahead and excel and then get it all to mix together. And that's why we've seen Milwaukee, you know, lose two games already this year, but, no, if you look at them offensively and defensively, this is a team that looks like they want to run. 
they need to compete with the Golden States and the Bostons, the teams that can go up there and run and gun up and down the court, shoot threes. Uh, and that's just something that they're, they're going to have to learn to, to deal with. Like Max said, like the Knicks are a perfect team to throw at you to go ahead and, and get you out of that rhythm, to get you out of that game. So I think anything that the Bucks have had success with, at least feeling comfortable on the court together, the Knicks are going to throw a big monkey wrench into that because they're a very good defensive team. Probably more than likely keep pace, I would think, with Randall and, and Brunson. and I think Barrett's probably going to play. So I would take the six and a half points here. I'm not going to call for the upset, but I think that this is one of those games in which the public flocks to the Bucks on TV and the books are just sitting there getting six and a half points going. We have the best side of the entire card for the day. Like the Knicks, I'll take the six and a half. I feel pretty good about that one. Yeah, I'll make it a team ride here with the Knicks here as well. And a lot of the points that Mac made about the Bucks having to figure out things on the defensive side of the basketball as well. And again, the matchup here purely with what the New York Knicks can throw at you as far as guys that, you know, have length. Um, and again, we talk about guys like Josh Hart, defensive uh, minded player. You also have, you know, Mitchell Robinson, a great rim protector there as well. Julius Randle, who's a great rebounder there as well. RJ Barrett, his athleticism and length can give fits as well. So I really do like this matchup here for the New York Knicks. Uh, um, against uh the offense of the milwaukee bucks putting into perspective here you guys talked about the new york knicks uh, defense they are the second best rated team defensively only behind the minnesota timberwolves right now through the first five games of the regular season it'll be also interesting to see who really dictates the pace of this game because milwaukee is playing at the seventh uh, fastest pace through their four games where the new york knicks number 21 right now as far as pace so uh, that'll be an interesting wrinkle to see in this game. And I think that, again, if the New York Knicks are able to you know, slow the game down, play great uh, half-court defense, I really do think that they can keep this within the number or even possibly win outright in this game. The Friday card, uh, let's get into our best bets uh, for the Friday games here. Again, like I mentioned, it is going to be the first of the play in tournament game. Oh, sorry. The, I'm um, sorry, not the play in tournament against the, the uh, in season tournament uh, for this upcoming season. Uh, Sleepy, you want to lead us off with your best bet? Sure. I'll go ahead. I'll take the Memphis Grizzlies minus the one and a half points here. I think that they get their first one of the year. Now, whenever a team has a goose egg, they're always in for a fight. And I think Memphis that they have, you know, a lot of guys on that roster that are fighting type guys. And, you know, I expect them to go out here and probably get their first win. They have all-star talent, and I'm not sure that the Blazers necessarily do. And the Blazers could be shorthanded tonight. One of their stars, Shaden Sharp, he could end up sitting tonight. We already know that Simmons is out, and it's going to be left, I think, if Sharp's out. If the, everything's going to be left on Grant to go ahead and score, and it's like, you know, where where else do the points come from? Uh, I don't, I don't see, I don't see Grant being able to go ahead and, and hold down the fort here. Blazers are coming off of three straight road games and back-to-back wins. So you have to think, like this Blazers team, who nobody really thought a whole hell of a lot about, that they're probably going to let down here. They're going to be fat. They're going to be happy, probably a little bit deflated. This is a pure motivation play for me. I think I have the better offense, the better defense, and definitely probably a team with better heart. But this is a more of a motivation type of play for me. So I think this line probably goes back up to three if Sharp gets rolled out because I would probably grade him as worth a point and a half on this current Blazers roster. So it's Memphis for me minus the one and a half. I would lock that in now. But I do want to go ahead and give you guys kind of a bonus 
a bonus best bet here. So let me throw a prop at you. And let's go over to the Oklahoma City game. And I'll make this one rather quick. SGA is going to sit. And we all know how many shots he takes a game. He's going to take 20, 25 shots a game. A lot of rebounds, a lot of assists, a lot of points. And at some point when a guy like that ends up sitting out, you have to distribute the amount of production that that guy gets. And I think Lucas Dort is going to be a guy who is going to probably benefit at the three-point line. I don't know how many shots extra he's going to get. He generally takes four or five, maybe six threes a game. He knocks down maybe one, two, three a game. But I think with the SGA out, you can probably double his production, at least in attempts. And I don't see any reason why he can't go ahead and at least make an extra three-point shot. He's lined right now at one and a half minus 125 on DraftKings. I think he probably makes two or three without a doubt. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up getting on fire here in this particular game. So I do like that quite a bit. I like that a lot here. So I'll go ahead and give you guys that as a bonus best bet. That's Lugas Dort over one and a half, three points made at minus 125 at DraftKings. Yeah, going back to your first best bet, I do like the spot here for the Memphis uh, Grizzlies. You mentioned the backcourt for the Portland Trail Blazers is a bit thin. Scoot Henderson is already ruled out for this game. We know Anthony Simons is uh, dealing with an injury as well. He's going to be uh, out for a few more weeks as well. We're not sure if Shaden Sharp is going to be out there uh, either for this Portland Trail Blazers team. And I agree about the point here is that the Memphis Grizzlies still haven't won a game yet. And it's a pure motivation standpoint uh, for this Memphis Grizzlies team and agreed about, you know, Portland Trailblazers coming off of that road trip, you know, coming from behind against the Detroit Pistons in their last game and getting the victory. They're now getting back home. You know, maybe things to figure out and, and, you know, get the haircuts and things with family and things like that, where you have a very hungry and motivated Memphis team looking to get their first win of the regular season here. So I uh, definitely love that. And you mentioned the Lou, uh, Lou Dort prop bet. You know, with SGA being out, that opens up about close to 20 to 21 shots uh, for the uh, his teammates in this game. And we're not sure if Lou Dort will actually start this game or not. But you also mentioned that he is getting the three-point attempts uh, up as well. He's averaging about 4.8 attempts per game. Um, about 57% of his shot attempts are coming from beyond the three-point line as well. So... If we do think that you know, the Warriors are maybe want to push the pace here a little bit, we may see some more shots getting up. Um, and I, I do like this spot here for Lou Dort to just knock down two three-point shots. An additional best bet from uh, Sleepy. Mac, you want to take us over to your best bet for the Friday card? Yes. Let's go to South Beach. I like the Miami Heat. Currently on DraftKings, recording at 827 Pacific. Uh, there is a minus nine. Um then I look over to Bookmaker, the biggest book in the world, takes largest bet. They've already moved it, not to nine and a half, but Miami minus 10. Wise guy's secret, the Bookmaker lean is something to consider. I'm not saying you can play all of it and win 53% of the time, but if DraftKings says one thing and Bookmaker says the other thing, um, let's just say this, I bet it'll close, or it most often closes, closer to what Bookmaker is at. And Will Levis, speaking of 827 Pacific, just threw an interception Meaning, one of our uh, same-game parlays cashes under 37.5. Nick Folks over 1.5 field goals. Levis with a pick. We waited with six seconds left in the fourth quarter. But we got it. So, uh, anyway. I like the Miami Heat here because they've been really bad. And Eric Spolstra uh, is one of the best coaches in the league. And he's able to get any sort of squad to perk up and play their best game when it's needed. And we saw this Heat team after last year's playoff run be pretty sleepy 
in October and November. And when they went and they made the finals in 2020, they were pretty lackadaisical the first couple months of the season too. So why do I think it changes now? Couple things. I think it's the matchup. I think it's a get right game for the Heat. The Heat, really, their problem has been Jimmy Butler. I mean, they they really, you can boil it down to that. They've been taking too many mid-ranges. Their defensive rebounding hasn't been great. You can look at some edge cases of why the Heat are bad, but the reason the Heat are bad is because Jimmy Butler's scoring 16 points a game, three assists per game, shooting 36% from the field. What Jimmy Butler is, is a Swiss Army knife. He is not a great shooter. He's not the most athletic player in the world. He's not the best finisher. He's not really great in any specific skill, but he can do anything that is needed to figure out the vulnerabilities of your defense. So why do I like him here when the Heat are struggling and Jimmy Butler is struggling? Because you don't need a Swiss Army knife to be a Swiss Army knife against the Wizards. You can score any which way you want to. You want to post up Bam Adebayo, that's a bucket. You want to run, they will catch you back on the defensive side of the floor after you're shaking everybody's hands. The Wizards are punting on the season. They have absolutely no defensive uh, presence. Jordan Poole is playing like a Harlem Globetrotter out there, having fun. Down 20, he throws a pass off the glass to Kyle Kuzma for a dunk. That's the kind of season they're having. They're having fun, but they're not particularly playing any defense. So I don't need Jimmy Butler to figure it out all of a sudden for the Heat's offense to be effective. I think the Heat needing the game like they do. Eric Spolster said this is a big week for us with three home games after a one and three start. Well, they lost the first one to the Nets, even though Tyler Hero went off. I think this it just makes the game even bigger. I think they put in their foot in the ground and win this one comfortably. I'll side with Bookmaker on this one. I will take the Heat minus nine and a half. We'll grade it at. Uh, take advantage of that minus nine for as long as it's out there. Yeah, I mean, we talked about how bad the Milwaukee Bucks defense has been thus far this season. Washington is right down there. If you look at it from a statistical standpoint, opponent field goal percentage, they rank uh, third worst, allowing teams to shoot 49% from the field. Opponent three-point percentage, uh, they are number 26, the fifth worst, allowing 38.3%, uh, and they are giving up a whopping uh, 126.3 points per game thus far this season. So, I think I like the point that you made about Eric Spolster saying, hey, this is a big week for us, and it starts here on Friday night uh, against this Washington Wizards team who come into this game rated the one of the worst defensive teams, and I think that's an opportunity for the Miami Heat to really take advantage uh, of a porous Washington Wizards defense. And one quick point on that. Uh, we talk about different metrics. I'll just What I use, what I think is the best, is cleaningtheglass.com. I have a membership. I've had it for 10 years. You don't need one to get their best stats, their most commonly cited stats. But what they do is they remove garbage time from every single basketball game. If you're up 15 with five minutes left, it's like the play didn't happen. If you're up 20 with seven minutes left, et cetera, et cetera. When you look at cleaning the glass, adjusted, garbage time removed, defensive rating, nobody's worse than the Washington Wizards. And that's who we're taking advantage of Friday night. Love it. All right, for my best bet, I am going to go to that game between the Brooklyn Nets and the Chicago Bulls. I'm going to take the Nets plus the four here uh, against the Chicago Bulls. Nets, two and two straight up so far this season. They are undefeated against the spread 4-0 thus far this season. Their two losses this season were by one point and five points, uh, which was against the Dallas Mavericks earlier this week. And I really haven't been overall impressed with the Chicago Bulls team. We talked about this on last week's pod. That the Bulls called a players-only meeting after their first loss of the regular season to the OKC Thunder. They did respond with a victory uh, against the Toronto Raptors, but they followed that up 
with a 16-point loss to the Detroit Pistons. And I like this matchup for the Nets because they have multiple defensive players that they can throw at guys like DeMar DeRozan and uh, Zach Levine. We talked about it with the New York Knicks matchup with the Milwaukee Bucks. I think there's a similar, um, I think, game plan we can say for the uh, Brooklyn Nets. When you talk about guys like Ben Simmons, who's starting to look like, I don't want to say all-star, but a star guy. He worked in the offseason. We were on his player prop last week that cashed for us. Uh, he's looking good on the defensive end. He's getting his teammates in the right spots. He's rebounding the basketball. He's getting the assist as well. Talk about guys like Mikael Bridges, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal. So they have different guys, defensive guys, athletic guys, guys that have linked big wingspans that they can throw out guys like Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. And I'll end it with this. Over the last five seasons, the Chicago Bulls, are the worst home team against the spread where they're 14 and 27 covering only 34.2% against the spread in their home games. I like this matchup for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I would not be surprised if they they win this game outright, but I do think this comes down to the wire. I think the Nets keep it within that uh, the number of four. So best bet for me, plus four for the Brooklyn Nets. You're asleep. Any thoughts on the Brooklyn Nets here? Yeah, I'm with you here. I like them. I think that you have to go past this. Bulls game and take a look at what's on the horizon here for Brooklyn. And it's kind of a a short murderer's row for them. They got Boston, then they got Milwaukee, then they have James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, PG, and then you close out the last of the four game run here against Boston again. So it's one of those situations where I think that they're sitting in the locker room and the coach is going, guys, we won two out of three on the road. Like let's, let's keep the, let's keep the hammer down here. Let's get this last one on the road and then let's go home and try to go ahead and, and maybe even get a split or you know maybe go three and one there at home against some of these good teams. So I think this is one of those more focused type of efforts for them where they have to be happy where they're at. This team's been grinding all year long. Like you mentioned, a couple early losses, but I mean, you, you can't hold your hold your head too low there, losing to Cleveland, losing to Dallas, you know, only by a couple points. So I think this is a very focused effort for them. So yeah, I'm with you. I like it quite a bit. Mac, any thoughts on the Brooklyn Nets uh, against the Chicago Bulls? I like fading the Bulls in any situation. You talk about an offense that is 26 in the league, and they are built on offense. They have DeMar DeRozan. They have Zach Levine, two guys that don't play a lot of defense, supposed to score a lot of points, and they're 26th on offense. Uh, I think they could easily be 0-5. They won a miracle game in Toronto, came back, win the Pacers, but they're not good, and I will fade them when I can. So I agree with your pick. All right, so those are our our best bets for the Friday card. Hopefully, we can continue rolling with the winners here. And speaking of winners, Mac, remind me, uh, what's your record uh, in the NBA over the past two seasons at pregame.com? 57% 500 plays. Thank you, sir. Well, I think this would be a great time for you to take advantage of what not only Mac is doing over on uh, pregame.com with his premium picks, but all the pregame pros. And right now for this podcast listeners, the NBA podcast listeners, we have a special promotion for you. 20% off of any basketball subscription for listeners of this NBA podcast only. That code is going to be Zion 20. So that's Z I O N two zero gets you 20% off of any basketball subscription for listeners of this NBA podcast but it's only good for seven days uh, from the release of this podcast. So make sure to take advantage of guys like Sleepy, 
take advantage of guys like Mac, who is at 57% over the last two seasons. We are on this NBA podcast for a reason. That's why I have the two uh, best NBA handicappers on this podcast. So make sure you guys take advantage. Again, that's Zion 2-0, Z-I-O-N 2-0 gets you 20% off. All right, gentlemen, I know we wanted to talk about, um, I, I guess, a new segment uh, about Futures Fridays uh, on the on this NBA podcast. I think what great way to start would be that MVP conversation. And we mentioned it that, you know, the two consensus favorites right now are going to be scoring off on Friday night um, in Denver. And that's going to be Nikola Jokic and Luka Dantich, followed by Giannis, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, Steph Curry. And SGA round out your top seven there as the consensus favorites for the MVP award. Mac, I'm going to toss this to you to lead off this discussion of the regular season MVP. Is there a guy that you like maybe further down the list with longer odds to win MVP? Or do you think the, the, the I guess the top players or the cream at the top is going to take away this award? I know it's still early on. We're only about four to five games in. But what do you think about the MVP race thus far this season? I think that's the key point, that it is very early. And to be successful in the MVP uh, market, sometimes it's better to have a portfolio than to have one strong pick. Case in point, last year, the Nuggets, they were good. They were like the third team in the West this time of year. I think they started out like seven and three. Jokic, who had just won back-to-back MVPs, was playing as well as ever. But his his odds got all the way as long as 30 to one last year. I know because me and my man Mark at pregame.com tracked these very diligently. He was just forgotten about. There was no reason why his odds had fallen so much other than that he was kind of out of sight, out of mind. People weren't talking about him. So there's some history that we've done here at pregame that I think is relevant. In 11, no, no, now 12 after last year with Embiid. Oh, no, I guess Embiid wasn't highest in per. He was second behind Jokic. So I guess Jokic should have won the MVP. Anyway, that makes 11 out of 14 years. The number one team, the number one player, I should say, in player efficiency rating, Tom Hollinger's, famous stat, John Hollinger's famous stat, they have gone on to win the MVP. 11 out of 14 years, it's like 85% of the time. If you're the number one in this particular stat, it means you're getting the most rebounds, you're being the most efficient, you're turning the ball over the less. That generally gives it the MVP. The other stats that's, that's important, and this was another exception last year with Embiid, in 11 out of the last 14 years, the MVP has been on the number one team in their conference. So I say that to eliminate some guys. I don't think Luka Doncic is going to be on the number one team in his conference, nor do I think he will be particularly high in player efficiency rating. Giannis has a chance, although they've started out pretty slow. Jason Tatum definitely fits that category, and a team that's undefeated will probably win the West. But I'm going to go down on the odds boards here, because remember, Jokic was 30-1, to Embiid was 15-1 to this time of year. And I'm going to go... Oh, wow. By the way, sleepy Zion Williamson is shooting up the odds boards. What'd you give him out at 60 to one? He's now 35 to one. Nice job. I'm going to go with Steph Curry, who's statistically playing as well as ever. 10 to one right now. I think he's a little out of sight, out of mind. And the Warriors, they look all right. They're three and one. They have a chance to be one of the higher seeds in the West. So I'm going to say sixth favorite. Steph Curry is my pick at 10 to one. I like it. I mean, you... and I read something uh, on an article, and I, and I should have had the reference for this, but it's 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 in so many words what Draymond said that last season, the chemistry with the team wasn't there. Maybe that's something that transpired in the offseason between Jordan Poole and Draymond Green before the season started last year. But I think in so many words, he said that 
You see guys coming into the building with smile on their faces and wanting to play basketball. And again, we talked about this Golden State Warriors team is when you have this core intact of Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and your head coach of Steve Kerr, you're always going to have a chance to not only be the number one seed in the Western Conference, but to win titles. And we've seen them do, do that throughout their dynasty of the Golden State Warriors. You also added a player like uh, CP3, and you have two really high IQ players when it comes to this Golden State Warriors team and Draymond Green and Chris Paul. So I like it here as Steph Curry at 10 to 1. He's gotten off to an absolute torrid start um, for the uh, Golden State Warriors. And again, like you mentioned, that this team is probably going to be contending for that number one spot uh, in the Western Conference. I know last season, Mac, that this team wasn't very good on the road. And I think Steve Kerr came out and said that last season, what happened on the road was probably an outlier. We know who we are as a team. And I think that's going to correct himself. I think it's going to give some positive regression uh, for what transpired on the road last season for this Golden State Warriors team. So I think there's some great value on Steph Curry at 10 to 1. Sleepy, we're talking about the MVP here. Do you agree about Steph Curry here? Or was there another guy that you were looking at on this list for MVP? He was probably going to end up being my second pick. And the reason why... I would probably go ahead and, and consider putting some some tickets in my pocket with Steph Curry is that go back to the interview when Draymond was talking where he said, you know, we just we, we weren't the team that we were. And I think that that's basically saying we were trying to go ahead and cater to Jordan Poole in that big contract and go ahead and be, you know, the Splash Brothers of, of three. Let's not do that. Let's just go back to letting Steph Curry be the best player in the NBA, the best shooter in the NBA. Just let him go out there and do his thing, and we can go out there and we can win titles. We didn't win a title last year, right? We won titles before that. So I think it's one of those situations where they put Curry right back in the spotlight to be the best player in the NBA. I think he probably puts up 30 points a game. So I think that that ticket is going to end up being really, really good as this year goes on. There's a question that I wanted to ask both of you guys about when it comes to the MVP award. And I know, Mac, you mentioned that last season, what Jokic was still the number one rated player as far as player efficiency rating goes and was the best player on the best team last season. Do you think there is a voter fatigue when it comes to the MVP voting? Because last season, Nikola Jokic probably had a better season than he did the prior year when he actually won the MVP. I know Joel Embiid had an incredible season last year, but do you think there is some type of voter fatigue because Nikola Jokic had already won the award two times in a row? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, a hundred percent. Um, Voters are not the best NBA analysts. If they were going to talk about handicappers and who was and talking about people that actually care about the actual results at the end of the night, uh, you know, care with their wallets, care with their livelihood, care with their rent checks, then I think we would have an accurate market. But um, we have voters and we care about narratives and the fact that the Nuggets were like four and eleven in March, right before everybody voted. It, yeah, the fatigue set in at that point, but these guys, everyone is biased. Everyone likes certain guys, doesn't like certain guys. It all plays a factor. Embiid was probably the second best player in the world last year, and Jokic probably should have won MVP on the balance of it. Of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. We saw what happened in the playoffs, and that affects, I know it's a regular season award, but that affects how we remember everything. I think Jokic and Embiid have been very close, so the fact that Embiid has one, Jokic has two, I think that's about right if you look at the balance of the last three years. Um, 
another reason why I think the player efficiency rating is so important is because a lot of these guys don't watch every game. They don't watch every team. So to have an all-in-one stat that says, yep, that's the guy, most efficient, most effective guy, uh, I do think that plays a role because, you know, these guys, they're like, uh, they're not me and sleep and my man Munaf. They're not caring about night in and night out who's really making a difference. They, they care about narratives and, and God bless them for it. That's how they sell newspapers and get clicks and everything like that. Uh, so I don't take the MVP too seriously for that reason. If it was just picking the best player, it'd be a very different exercise. But uh, Sleepy, I think you understand as much as anybody the way the narratives and the media uh, tend to get all entangled with this type of award. So how does that factor in to when you're trying to pick a winner? Well, you know me, I'm always down for a good conspiracy theory. And I thought that the NBA MVP last year was Kendrick Perkins because he's the reason why Joel Embiid ended up winning the award. So the Nuggets going 4-11 in March – didn't, didn't you don't think that, ma- that what should have mattered? I believe you and I actually did a podcast on this, and let's just take it for what it was. Let's let's take the entire world for what it was at the time that this was all going on. There was a lot of race stuff going on in this world, mm-hmm. and Kendrick Birkin was like, "Joel Embiid should be the MVP. Joel Embiid should be the MVP." All right, cool. If you want to have him in that conversation with Jokic, that's perfectly fine. We saw Jokic go out and play the worst basketball of his entire career. He hadn't, he didn't look that bad since probably he was a rookie. And what did I say, Mac? I said, Jokic is tanking this MVP because he doesn't want to be involved in this conversation. Yep. So Kendrick Perkins got his way. Joel Embiid got the MVP. A lot of people don't see things like that, but I do. When, when we're talking about handicapping games, like I look at, you know, a lot of motivational stuff, things like that. That's what I thought. I thought that it was um, tanked by Jokic. I think Jokic is the best player in the NBA. And I thought Kendrick Perkins was the one that, that, that stirred that pot. So, no, if anybody wants to disagree with me, feel free. But <laughs> Nikola Jokic doesn't play basketball that bad. He just doesn't. It's such a fascinating take, and it's unlike anybody else I've heard. There's, I've heard a lot of people say the reason Joel Embiid won was because of what Kendrick Perkins said, and everybody was all up clutching their pearls and and it, it's reverse racism and i've heard that take and i've heard it had nothing to do with it every media players are, are veterans they understand what's going on they would never be swayed by one first take segment and you're like no the reason that kendrick perkins affected the mvp race is because he affected the play on the court and the motivations of the team that is a very interesting perspective that i haven't heard anywhere else i think i think that settles it for me because i do think Jokic for 11 out of the 12 months or whatever was the best player on the world. And then he disappeared right when the voters put their spotlight on him. And I think that was savvy. And that's why he's an NBA champion. Cause he doesn't care about the petty stuff. He cares about playing the best basketball when it matters, getting his teammates to play the best basketball when it matters. So yeah, best player in the world right there with Steph Curry. And uh, there's a reason why he's the MVP favorite. You know what I think annoyed me more than anything is the fact that I root for the Sixers. I paid a lot of money out of my pocket to go down there and see him beat and to feel like it wasn't deserved. Like I know he's awesome. And I know that he, he probably could have won that award had they just gone head to head and, and maybe he would have got the votes. I don't know, but that's just like, I feel slighted like being an MB, an MB guy. I am an MB guy. I'll tell you right now. I did not want Jokic to win. Like how many times do you want to see the same guy win? Like we get bored with that. So I was rooting for Embiid, and even though he won, 
I just, it, it, I didn't feel fulfilled. I guess that's an easy way for me to say it. So I really wish that, that, you know, Kendrick Perkins would have just kept his mouth shut and um, I would have felt a lot better, but you know, Hey, congrats to, to Embiid. But I mean, we're already seeing this year. I mean, Jokic is, he's the best player in the league. I think for Jokic, I mean, last year, I think he would have definitely forego the regular season MVP to add a ring to his resume and, and get the finals MVP. So again, this season, uh, Jokic is picking up right where he left off last season, playing incredible basketball. So we'll keep an eye definitely on the MVP race as we progress through this NBA season. Gentlemen, let's get over to our Friday five for the Friday card. Um, First, let's start with the winner last week, which was Jimmy the Bull. His Friday five picks last week were he had Jason Tatum, who finished the game with 22 points. Uh, Luka Dantic had 49 points. Steph Curry finished the game with 41. Darren Fox, 39. And he had uh, to round it out Donovan Mitchell, who finished up with 43 points. I would probably say he had four of the five top scores last week. So congrats to Jimmy the Bull uh, for winning last week's uh, Friday the Five picks. Uh, we'll give out our uh, Friday the Five uh, Friday Five picks here. Uh, if you guys don't know how it works, we give out five players who we think will be the top scores uh, in the are on the Friday games. And we're running the contest like we did last year. Just go to goodpregame.com slash contest. Or hit that contest tab and you'll see the Friday five thread there. Go and just insert your five players you think will have the highest points scored. Um, Mac, you want to lead us off with your uh, picks for the Friday five? Yeah, let me go with my MVP pick. Steph Curry is having the best year of his career by many, many, many metrics. I know it's early in the season, but I think it's relevant that last year in the playoffs, although they bowed out in the second round, he had his highest points per game in any playoff run in his career. First time he had ever averaged 30 points per game for an entire playoff run, where he picked up right where he left off. And if you look at per 36 minutes, he's scoring 35 points per 36 minutes. That is Wilt Kobe Jordan level. Curry's been a very efficient scorer throughout his career, but he hasn't been as prolific as this. And it's not because he's shooting a lot. He's only shooting 18 times per game. That's down about a shot and a half per game from last year. So I expect that to rebound uh, in a game without SGA, one of the Thunder's better defenders. He had that classic shot a few years ago. I think it was 2015. Uh, he's, you know, he's had big games in Oklahoma City before. He'll have that uh, muscle memory in his back pocket. I expect a big game out of Steph Curry here. So that's my first pick to throw it out for Friday 5. 74% true shooting thus far this season for Steph Curry. Who else do you like uh, for the Friday five? Oh, I get two picks. All right. Yeah, I forgot. I get two picks. Yes. Let me go. Uh, let me go. Luka Doncic, uh, a guy that's probably not going to be contending for the top seed like Jokic. And so he's not going to have too many times where his name is up in lights in the same way. Uh, and Kyrie Irving is questionable. If he doesn't play, we've seen Luka be very willing and able to do absolutely everything as good as the Nuggets have they've been. I think you said it right. They picked up like the 15 Warriors, exactly where they left off, looking like the best team in the league, proving the doubters wrong that said they got lucky last year so far. But they've done that almost entirely on offense. On defense, they haven't been any special great shakes, just like they weren't great shakes last year. So big game out of Luka, big game out of Steph. That's how I'll start off with my two picks for the Friday Five. Yeah, Luka definitely should bounce back here against Denver after a poor shooting night against the Chicago Bulls. 
40 minutes, he was 5 of 16 from the floor, 1 of 8, but definitely do expect Luka to do Luka things in this game against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Sleepy, I'll toss it to you, man. Who do you like for your Friday 5 uh, pick here? Let's go ahead. Let's throw Tyler Hero in there. I think when you take a look at this Miami team, uh, he leads the team in minutes. He leads the team in scoring. And his player prop right now is at 24.5. He's scoring 26.5 points per game. And I think against this Washington Wizards defense, it's absolutely pathetic that there's probably no reason that Tyler Hero doesn't put up one of his highest point totals of the entire year. So I'm going to go ahead and bank on Tyler Hero having a big game, having more than Curry, having more than Luka. Tyler Hero for me, he's going on a Friday five. Love it. Uh, again, it's a great matchup. We talked about how bad this Washington Wizards defense has been thus far this season. I'm going to toss in uh, Desmond Bain uh, for our Friday five here. And when we talk about this offense for the Memphis Grizzlies, it's been Desmond Bain at the forefront, averaging 24.6 points per game. But also, we talk about the bad defense. I think that's kind of been the theme of this episode thus far. And Portland has been in that conversation as well. And so far this season, like I mentioned, for Desmond Bain, he's getting up 19 shots per game, shooting at 46% from the floor. We know he's a lethal three-point shooter as well, averaging close to 10 attempts per game thus far this season. He's had multiple games thus far this season of 30-plus points. And going back to your best bet uh, for um, the Friday card here, Sleepy, I think that if the if the Memphis Grizzlies are going to pull out their first win here, I think it's definitely going to have to be on the back of Desmond Bain here to score some points. So I do like Desmond Bain uh, to be the leading scorer here for the Memphis Grizzlies. And also throughout Donovan Mitchell. Um, we talked about how great he's been thus far this season, scoring uh, basketball. He's averaging 31 uh, and a half points per game. We're still not sure if Darius Garland is going to be playing in this game. So pretty much the offense has been going through Donovan Mitchell. He dropped a 30-piece against the New York Knicks in their uh, victory in that second game in consecutive nights or in three nights against the uh, New York Knicks. Last week, he had 43 points against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And again, another guy that's getting up pure shot volume, averaging close to 23 attempts per game and also 10 uh, three-point attempts as well. So I'll throw in Donovan Mitchell there as well. Gentlemen, last order of business here. We're on a winning streak here. We cashed our player prop best bet on the Friday card last week with Ben Simmons going over his rebounds and assists. And Sleepy, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys had Jordan Poole last week for the player prop best bet. Yep, pool party. Cash it. All right, so let's try to make it three in a row here for our player prop best bet. Mac, I am going to toss this to you. Who are we looking at to continue our winning streak here? Tyler Hero. Over 23 and a half points. He is one of our Friday five. To recap, we are going with Donovan Mitchell, Luka Doncic, Steph Curry, Desmond Bain, and Tyler Hero. And this ties into my best bet. I think Jimmy Butler, something's wrong with him. After the 2020 finals, he started off the season very poor shooting in October and November. Then he made a deep playoff run. Easter Conference Finals lost in seven two years ago. Started off last year, even though he had his best year ever last year by the end of it. October, November were his worst shooting months, worst scoring months. This season, after he made the NBA Finals last year, he's going 16 points a game, shooting 35%. His assists have been cut in half. He's just not all there. Whether it's emotional, he still has the email haircut, or whatever he's feeling, he's not all there yet. Yet, the Heat are in a must-win game with their backs against the wall. They have the worst record in the Eastern Conference. They have to respond. So if it's not going to be Butler against the worst defense in the league, I really like Tyler Hero to fill those shoes. 23 and a half is a little bit higher than he started the season after he's been hot the last couple of games. 
but he's been hot the last couple of games, scoring 30-plus. So I don't think the little tick-up is going to affect our us cashing this number. Hopefully not. So I like it a lot. I'm on 23-and-a-half. Uh, we tag-teamed this one. We went through a few props. I'm proud of us for this one. We could have just said, yeah, whatever you guys suggest the first one, it's probably fine. But, no, we want to keep this going. We're 2-0. and We discussed it. I'll kick it over to you, Sleep. Uh, why do you think we'll get to 3-0 and with Tyler Hero over points? Well, because we're giving it out. So he's listening to the podcast, so he knows he has to perform <laughs> well. But, you know, I think that um, I always felt like Tyler Hero kind of had like this thing against the Washington Wizards because they passed on him in the draft. But I think one of the things that we can take from this particular game is that the Miami, like, all right, Miami's minus 10. So there's a blowout factor there. But I would normally go ahead and say, okay, I don't want to play an over on on a blowout type of game, but there's no back-to-back here for Miami. So I don't think that they're going to go ahead and pull pull these guys out. They're still It's still early in the year. Go ahead and get them as much run as possible, even if they're winning. You know, just go out there and work out all the kinks. I think they're going to have like two full days off. So I like the fact that I don't think he's going to get pulled uh, for just those extra minutes. It might actually keep him out there for those extra minutes. But again, this is one of those things where I think that he's probably just going to look go out there and look to torch the Wizards and it probably shouldn't be that hard. And like you said there, Mac, like you don't really need a Swiss Army knife to go ahead and uh, take care of this Washington Wizards defense. Tyler Hero could just be a butter knife. <laughs> he could probably go in and get over 23 and a half. So that, that's my handicap. I like uh, Tyler Hero, at least 20 shot attempts through the first five games of the regular season here for the Miami Heat. And also 8.8 attempts coming from the three-point line where he is shooting at 43.2%. So looking for a big night from Tyler Hero uh, going over his uh, points projection of 23.5 for our player prop best bet. Looking to continue on the winning ways here to start this NBA regular season. Gentlemen, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of the NBA podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Sleepy, any parting thoughts for our listeners? If you guys are looking for a free pick, go over to pregame.com. Sign up. You get a free $25. You guys can go in and get any pick any day that you want. So especially for this weekend, you got the NFL, college football. Mac and I have NBA coming. So go over to pregame.com, sign up, get yourself a free $25. And that's all I have. Hopefully you guys go ahead and – Use some of that money you made last week, and let's double it up this week. Yes, sir. Mac, any parting thoughts for our listeners? There is a chance. I'm telling you there's a chance. The Suns are only down 13 in the fourth quarter. I might have spoken a little too soon. We may stay undefeated uh, on that particular play. <laughs> One and no on that particular play. We'll see. Um, yeah, this, this was fun. Let's keep it going. Looking forward to talking to you guys tomorrow and talking about some winners, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully uh, we will be talking about some winners on the pod for tomorrow. So stay tuned for that pod as well. Good luck with your bets. Let's uh, break these books off and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Enjoy the games. 